Hi, everybody. I'm Dr. Stephen Long. Welcome to the X Factor, the podcast for leaders by leaders. All right, today we have two very special guests, two for the price of one. And this is, we're meeting with Team Carol, who have taken the mogul skiing world by storm. So uh, let's have uh, each of you introduce yourself, tell you who, you're, who you are and what you do. Um, so I'm Avital, and I'm a mogul skier. I've been competing for 21 years. Uh, sounds crazy to say. I grew up in New York City and skied every weekend in Vermont and had dreams of, you know, making mogul skiing my career and my life. And uh, eventually in 2018, made the U.S. ski team. And um, now I ski for Austria. And yeah, mogul skiing has kind of been my life, my everything, and it's given me so much. Fantastic. And I am Bobby Carroll, so uh, Avital's husband, and then I'm the head coach for Austria, and then I'm also the men's World Cup coach for Australia as well. So that can get a little bit confusing, but uh, yeah, so I've been coaching for several years, was on the development team for the U.S. ski team and was a competitive skier myself, and uh, now just in the coaching world traveling all around we're currently down in uh, australia right now getting uh getting some snow it's their winter so it's been a, a good start to the season so far we had some uh water ramp training which is essentially uh with your skis on like tr working on some of your uh tricks that you will do in in a mogul competition and landing in in water so it's a little bit safer than uh, mm -hmm. kind of doing it uh, on snow and you're able to get a few more repetitions out um to kind of work on your your craft and your technique there. And then uh, we'll, we're just made our way to, to get on snow and now put some of that stuff uh, into action. So thank you uh, so much for having us on, Steve. It's great. Great to see you. And you're, you're looking good. <laughs> yeah. You guys are looking great as well. It's, it's great to have you. All right. So let's, let's clear this up for the, uh, for the listeners. Right. So both of you are Americans. Okay. This is true. And, yep. and, um, and, and Avital, uh, competes for Austria now, right? and Bob, you coach the Austrian team and also the men's uh, Australian team, and yep. you currently are training in Australia. Correct. Yep, <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. So, all right. So, so Avital, let's talk about performance because you mentioned that you've been competing for twenty-one years, and my goodness. You know that is a long time, right? But you're still, you know, in, in relatively speaking, you're a young person. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I'm only 27. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, so you've been doing this a long time. So, so, so let's let's take you back. You know, where where you were a member of Team USA, and now you're a member of Team Austria, right? And tell us about you know what your performance was like, really. What was the, tell us, give us a guide, a, 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 just a guide of what your performance has been like over the past 10 years or so. Yeah. So I guess just starting back for skiing for Austria, this was an amazing opportunity that came up um, in September of 2020, Austria created a law that grants direct descendants of everyone who was forced out of Austria citizenship. Mm -hmm. um, so my grandmother was born in Vienna and she was unfortunately forced out during the Holocaust. So this was a great opportunity to, you know, uh, embrace my heritage, yeah. um, you know, be able to kind of 
do everything together. And, you know, my model that I always say is love, dream, unite. So this really has been able to like bring everything together as one. Um, and then going back to the performance side of things over the past 10 years, I would say it's kind of been a massive roller coaster. You know, in high school, I was um, a very eager skier. I was uh, making finals at NORAM events, which is the North American Cup in North America. And then I kind of uh, got, I graduated high school and I really like skiing was my number one priority. I ended up making the ski team in 2018 and I got, uh, I made the ski team by winning the North American cup tour mm -hmm. and I had full world cup starts for the next season. I was so excited. I was going to go on tour around the world, travel and compete on world cup. And unfortunately that summer I sustained an ACL and both meniscus injury. Okay. So I was out of competition for two years. Oh. So that was a really challenging roller coaster that I had to overcome. Um, and then from there, getting back into competing was super challenging. Well, let me let me stop you there. So you had this injury, and I would assume that this is the type of injury that can, you know, not only derail a career, but end it. For, for sure. You know. All right. So, so how did you get back on, you know, on tour? How, how did you get back? you know, with, through the rehab and, you know, what was, what was your mindset, you know, focused on? Yeah. My mindset was that, you know, just day by day, moment by moment, it was really challenging. I remember like having the lowest lows of my life. Um, but then like every little milestone that I hit, like those like felt like high highs. I remember specifically like one moment, like I was working and, I finally got like a single leg squat after months and months and I just had to push through the pain. Mm -hmm. And I just remember like just having the biggest smile on my face and like tears coming down my eyes, which was like nothing compared to like where I was before the surgery. Mm -hmm. So like just to having those little moments and building those really helped get me through recovery. So those single leg squats, I don't do them, but I see people doing, they look really hard. All right. But you're, you were doing it through pain part of your mm -hmm. rehab process. And so was there a difference besides the elation when you had that successful rep as opposed to when you weren't successful? Was the pain any different? Or no, it was, it was, it was physical pain. It wasn't like, uh, I couldn't get past the physical pain. I thought that I was going to, you know, hurt myself even more. And I just had to trust that and I couldn't for so long and then once I got through it and trusted that pain now it's just you know something that you live with yeah yeah okay so all right so so how is you know so so how is the knee now the knee now is great yeah knock on wood <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right, well, so, so there's no pain whatsoever there's a little bit of pain here and there okay and w yeah. when does that occur hmm I would say like, I think it's cartilage. So maybe just like on like hard surfaces and stuff like that. But I mean, it's held up extremely well and I've, it's almost stronger than the other knee. We call it my, my new knee. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. And so what do you attribute that to? Like, it was, was there confidence? Was it mental toughness? What, what was it that enabled you to get, you know, to go through the pain to get to that, 
that point where you can actually train because we all know if you can't train you can't you know you can't compete you can't perform yeah i would say confidently at that point i was feeling pretty low because my body wasn't doing what it used to be able to do i didn't feel like myself at all um Mm -hmm. but the two things that got me through that would be mental toughness and discipline Mm -hmm. um and just having to you know just do it and just be patient for to, to, to allow the knee to to rehab on, on its own schedule. It's almost like a you know an out of body experience. Yeah, you have to be like super patient, almost to like the point of being like I don't know delirious. <laughs> <laughs> I know the feeling, but for, but for other reasons. <laughs> all, right. all right, so all right, so so what was the trajectory like? you know, after recovering from, from, from the uh, injury. Yeah. So after recovering from the injury, I came back and then it was COVID. So I actually flew to my first world cup back in Sweden. Mm -hmm. And then that night is when it was announced that we thought the borders were going to be closed. So after arriving in Europe, the next morning we flew back to the States, uh, didn't get to compete. And then Basically, it was two years of COVID, so the competitions were very minimal. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I had a couple. Yeah. <laughs> right, so let's, let's get a picture of this. So so your career starts out like a blaze of glory by winning the Norian Championships. And then you get all these, uh, you know, you're on the team, you get all these starts, and then you have injuries for two years. And then you come back, and then boom, you know, the, 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 the COVID hits. Right? And that's, is that one or two years? One year where it was just like two competitions, which is almost, you know, not very many for us. Yeah. And then the next year it was like half of the season. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, so, so you're not, so, so you're not getting any kind of traction whatsoever. Right. Exactly. Are you feeling any kind of anxiety about, wow, I just want to see how this knee does in competition and, you know, and, and get, and get, you know, just get a groove going, you know, what, how, how did you manage that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I never, every time I had the opportunity to prove something, it just felt like this is my moment. This is my moment. And I was like, so stressed about it because I didn't have very many opportunities. <clears throat> so then I always was like, trying to compete perfectly okay all right and then what was the what, what happens when you do that we all know that doesn't work <laughs> 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 yeah i made lots of mistakes okay uh i was overthinking you know over technical just you know really in my head mm-hmm. all right so that's all right so, so 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 you're overthinking things you're not letting your body do what it's trained to do and so that sounds like it could have been incredibly frustrating. Yeah, for sure. All right. So t- tell me about the frustration. What was what was that like? And then, you know, how, how did you, you know, overcome that? Yeah, the frustration was huge. I wasn't able to compete the way I wanted to, the way I had in the past. I never, you know, I couldn't get in my groove, like you said before. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm stumped. Well, it seems like it, it was like a double whammy is that, you know, you weren't getting enough reps on the hill and in competition. 
And then when you did get the opportunity, you put a lot of pressure on yourself. You really narrowed your margin of error. And so, you know, and it seems like the, the probability of success just really, really decreased. And I'm thinking, and I'm wondering in retrospect, what, what, what could have you done differently? I think differently, I could have had maybe a different approach or, you know, I kind of thought that things would just get back to how they were before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was a pretty natural competitor to begin with. And then I never, I never was able to find that. Okay. Yeah. All right. So tell us about last year. What happened? Last year was incredible. <laughs> um, so <laughs> last year. Smile was... returned. <laughs> uh, yeah. Sad to happy. Um, so last year was my first year representing Austria on the world stage. Mm-hmm. And that in itself was super incredible. And I started off the World Cup tour with a bang. I PB'd at my first event and I got sixth at my first World Cup this year. And then from there, basically, I got, I think, every event but one, I got top 10 finishes, which I had never achieved prior to that. Mm-hmm. And then at World Championships this year, I got back-to-back bronze medals, which was insane because I had never podiumed on World Cup, let alone World Championships. Ding, ding. And Ding, ding. <laughs> <laughs> and those are the two best results of my career. So, Yeah, that's fantastic. All right, so... So, so, so with the, you know, uh, by representing Austria, you, you got a whole lot more starts. And so you're able to get into, into your groove and really refine what you're doing. And, did you, you know, as opposed to the year before, you know, did you find, did you find that that margin of error just, just, just expanded? And so you could For just, sure. do, you know, so you just do what you could do. Yeah. And just like so much pressure before in those like individual events where being able to like have the whole tour and like be able to breathe and relax and just like, you know, know that this is like what I meant to be doing and that I have this opportunity. Okay. So, so, so you basically, you know, have a top 10 finish in just about every, every competition leading up to the uh, world championships. Yeah. Take me through the world championships and, and tell me, how did you do what you, what you did? Yeah. So the world championships in itself was, you know, a whirlwind, but in the best way, I would say when we got there, you know, we talked about just doing, you know, saying yes to everything, like kind of being in this, like, really good mindset like if people want to interview you like say yes if you want to check out the carnival like say yes like kind of just like take this whole experience and um you know have like a really like chill approach to it and be able to fully experience everything so So i think that going in so so it sounds like you were just kind of like before you got on the hill and get into the flow of things you kind of got into the flow of things you know from the moment you arrived yeah that's really interesting because a lot of athletes think they got to block things out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what's your experience when you try to block things out? It doesn't work. 
It's all the coaching, Steve. It's all the coaching. <laughs> it's all coaching, right? Of course, Bob. That's, yeah. that's the thing. All right. Well, so so Bob, let me ask you: is, is was that your suggestion to say, hey, just you know, just roll with it and 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 get into it? I mean, was that something that you wanted to experience, or did you want Avatar to experience, or did you want the two of you to for you both to experience? Well, uh, in my experience so far, just with coaching and all the reading and everything else, you know, there's a few different ways to kind of attack some of those, some of those bigger events. And it kind of just, I think it really depends on the personality and depends on the person. And obviously I know her, uh, so well that, uh, we had, I would say more of a game plan rather than, um, trying to block out all the distractions and just make it another event and just focus in and really just kind of lock yourself in your hotel room and, um, which works for a lot of different people, you know, uh, I would say every, everyone's unique and you try to, uh, do what's best, uh, for the individual and really for Avital and knowing her it was, I thought the opposite approach was probably going to be the best and like, Hey, like how many of these opportunities are there? You might as well go out and, and embrace it rather than kind of hide from it. Um, I think it just, uh, allowed her to be a little bit more loose and really, um, try to, uh, maximize, uh, the potential she had, uh, at the event, you know? Um, and I think we had a good plan kind of going in our pre world's training camp and everything else was kind of building to, to peak at the right time. And obviously, uh, look like geniuses now. And the fact, you know, it would have been great to see her climb the, the ladder a little bit higher, but for her to show up and, um, get back-to-back bronze medals. So it wasn't, wasn't really like a, a fluke, you know, I think if, if it's a one-off or something like that, people are like, Oh, you know, that's kind of surprising, but then to um, really go out the next day and, and, and back it up again, I think showed, uh, showed a lot that um, the, the progress that she's made and that uh, I think it was the, the right game plan and being able to embrace all that stuff, you know, how cool is it? Uh, you, you get to travel the world and our world championships was in Bakriani, Georgia. How many times are you going to get the opportunity to see that culture, see those places, uh, see how different it is? And uh, so I think for us, it was uh, and for her, it was really great to just kind of get to walk around the town and and get to uh, have those interactions with the press and everything else. And, you know, uh, our sport is is very, very small, very unique and. Uh, really the only time people are going to pay attention is Olympics or world championships. And um, I think as much of uh, embracing, at least for her, the the pressure and the cameras and all the lights and everything else, because at the end of the day, it's the higher the stages you go, the more there's going to be. And um, I think it's harder and harder to try and block everything out and, and really just, just seclude yourself in a hotel room when you are in this, amazing beautiful place why not go out and go for a walk see everything and kind of uh mm-hmm. just I- embrace the challenge right there's two ways to look at it and i and for for me and for her as as the game plan it was like yeah let's let's do everything like you know yeah this is a bigger event you know i mean i think that um it's like there's a few different approaches when it comes to like the super bowl right you have some of those NFL coaches that try to sequester their team away, hide them from all the bright lights and everything else. And until it's actual game time. And then you have other coaches that have the philosophy of like, Hey, yeah, guess what? This is a different game. This is everything you've worked for. This is everything you want. You want that to hold up that Lombardi trophy. And um, so, so treat it as such, like, Hey, there is going to be more pressure. Guess what? Life is about pressure. It's about uh, trying to do your best and you might fail, but, I think it's a lot more fun to embrace all that stuff 
and then not accomplish what you want. Of course, obviously you have more lights and everything else on you, but um, that's, that's the beauty of sport. Yeah. So using that Super Bowl analogy, mm-hmm. you know, how is, you know, a typical tour stop different or the same as the world championships? I mean, you know, what's, what's, you know, how is the environment the same? How is the environment different? Well, um, you know, honestly, we haven't had too many experiences with world championships. I have as a, as a spectator watching it at Deer Valley a few different times. They've hosted several world championships. But um, from the other side, you know, I think uh, Bakriani and uh, uh, Georgia, they really did just a fantastic job and really wanted to make it a big show out event. Um, they had uh, a lot of, of great hotels. The food was fantastic and they really tried to put on a big show and i think um compared to some of the other world cups and some of the other stops i mean it's definitely more more of an event they definitely add uh there's more press there's just more people like paying attention um without question and and the way that um world championships uh worked for for our sport is that they they had it all in together for world championships it was also snowboarding so like snowboard half pipe and slope style and all those events come came together where usually it's kind of the tours are separate. They're at all different stops and everything else. So I think that that also um, brings more attention to it. Okay. All right. So Avatel, let's, let's go back to your, you know, to the world cup runs and what, mm-hmm. what was the first event? What was the first event? Yeah. Uh, the first event was in Ruka, Finland this year. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. Oh. The championships. What was the, what was the first uh, competition? Was it, was it moguls or was it the other one? Oh, the first event was the single moguls, yeah. Single moguls, and then there was double moguls, right? Yeah, Where and you, then dual moguls. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So help me understand what the mindset was, you know, bef- you know, at, you know, as you're waiting, you know, to get into the gate. Yeah. Uh, at the top, waiting to get into the gate, I remember being there and just trying to be in like a really chill and relaxed mindset. I almost like I lie down at the top of the course and just close my eyes and listen to music and almost as if like I'm kind of sleeping, like I'm just, you know, enjoying just like the peace and quiet. And then, um, you know, as I kind of get closer to being in the gate, I get like the jitters and everything and um, just kind of remind myself to, you know, be present and use those different tactics to get present in the moment and um so yeah and i felt just like then what was the run like you know the runs there felt like very freeing and i felt like it was just like me doing my thing and you know i didn't feel like all these like pressures like it was kind of just like this is who i am this is what i'm gonna do and i'm gonna show them what i can do and that was kind of just like every run i was doing that Okay. And just being myself and fully embracing it. Okay. So what and and you get two trials, right? Um, World championships, yep. You get two runs to qualify uh for the for the final. So okay. Yep. And all right, so, yeah. All right. And so so were any of those, you know, whether the trials or the uh you know the championship run, you know, were they any different in terms of your mindset or did you did you stay consistent? I would say I stayed pretty consistent. I would say in the training runs before I was maybe like more aggressive, like testing everything out, like the speeds and everything. 
and then maybe took like a little bit of a step back for the qualification runs. But then mm -hmm. as the finals runs came, then I brought that like intensity back. Okay. All right. And so when you cross the finish line and you know, you did well, right. What's what, what's that like? I mean, because you don't know if you won anything at that point, right. But you know, you did well, what's, you know, what, 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 what sense of satisfaction do you receive? You receive, you receive just like, you're so happy and you like, you did your best run, right? That's all you can do. So that's like the first thing. And then secondly, you're almost like a relief, like, whoo, cause like it's very intense and you know, your heart is racing and you're going, you know, it's, everything is moving so fast. So mm. then you can just kind of breathe. Um, and then just like, holy cow, did I just do that? <laughs> in the biggest moment possible that's got to be incredibly satisfying yeah yeah uh and then when you you know when, when you get the results what's what's that like you know it's interesting there was i mean the results are obviously amazing and incredible and it feels so good to stand up there knowing that all your hard work has paid off mm -hmm. but the feeling after the run feels much better than standing on the podium. Really? Yeah. yeah. All right. So, 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 so repeat that again. Let me, let me, let me make sure I get that straight. You, so, so the, the feeling that you get when, when you get the results is, is actually better than when you're on the podium. Yeah. Just like at the bottom of the course after your run. Okay. So, and, and you haven't got the results yet. Uh, all you know is that you just did the very best that you could. And so everything else is gravy when you get the results yeah. and then, and you find out that you're medal, then you go over to the podium and you get the, you know, you get on the podium and they give you the medal. That's still, that, that's still secondary from the, from the feedback that you got when, when you crossed the finish line, knowing that you did absolutely the best you could. I guess secondary to the feeling that you've like laid down your best run. Yeah. But like, obviously the hardware, like looking back, like that's like an amazing moment in itself, but the feeling that you have after like laying down such a good run is just so immense to me. Yeah. I've heard from other athletes who have, you know, accomplished similar, similar type of goals is that it's the accomplishment mm -hmm. that, that really matters. And then in the moment when you get the hardware, it's great and you're happy, but later on, it's you know the hardware and the memories really you know that th those are the things that 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 really you know continue to linger you know so i, I don't yeah. know if, if if you had a chance to really enjoy you know the medals like I, I just heard patrick mahomes say something about you know he, he was mvp but he didn't really care because right? he still had to play the super bowl right uh, and you know he wanted to win the super bowl and then later on, like this summer, he's probably looking back and go, yeah, I was the best player in the league. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, but, but, you know, it's, so those things take a back seat. And I think a lot of times people are driven by the wrong things, you know, they're mm -hmm. driven by the hardware, you know, in the pursuit of that and, and what it actually, you know, what it may symbolize uh, or what it might justify but it's actually the accomplishment itself 
when you know you've gotten every ounce out of your potential that you possibly could. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And it just so happens that you did it in, you know, the biggest event of the year. Yep. <laughs> and that helps. <laughs> yeah, that helps. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, that, that I, I was just so happy for you. And, um, but I, I was intrigued with, okay, so, it, it, so, so, you know, Bob was talking earlier about, um, you know, about, about soaking it all in and taking it all in. And um, did, did you find that that, you know, helped uh, uh, manage the stress or alleviate the stress because you're just focused on other things and then, oh, okay, now it's time to go race. Yeah. I felt like it helped keep me calm, you know, even like talking to friends and competitors on the chairlift and, I remember even getting on the lift in the morning before training one day and I had scheduled an interview for the lift ride up to the event. Um, <laughs> so I think it just really just put me in this, like, you know, I'm here, this is what we're doing. And, um, talking to everyone just kind of makes me feel calm and, um, really embrace it. So think about your 18 or 19 year old self. And if she got this, watch you, you know, compete, you know, not only during the season, but at the, at the world championships, what would that 18 or 19 year old see? And what would that 18 or 19 year old learn? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, that 18 or 19 year old would be, you know, stunned to just know the journey and what, you know, I've been through what we've been through. Um, she would be, happy that I pushed through all the hardships mm -hmm. and she would be, I guess, um, I'm not really sure. <laughs> yeah. But, but she would definitely see that it's a, it's, it's not a straight line trajectory. Correct. Yeah. It's definitely, yeah. She would see that it's not a linear path and you have to have the ups and downs and the downs make the ups, you know, so much better. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, and, and you learn lessons during the, in the valleys that help you when, you know, not only get to the peak, but enjoy the peak and, and perform yeah. at the peak. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I think that, you know, that frustration just kind of makes you want to achieve it that much more. Like that's kind of frustration drives me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so is, is it frustration, you know, to the anger side or frustration to, you know, to, to the, ah, I, I got to get this done. No, like a challenge side. Challenge side. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, like you, a healthy frustration. Yeah. Like, you know, if you just stick with it, you're gonna, you're gonna get it. Yeah. Okay. All right. So Bob, let's transition over to you as a coach. And so you're, um, so not only are you coaching Avital as your wife, okay, mm -hmm. and you know she, she she got two medals, but uh, I'm correct in that there was uh, uh, there was a, um, a, a a man from the Australian team who medaled, and also there wasn't there somebody <laughs> on the Austrian team that medaled as well. Uh, so for the Australian men, Matt Graham, he got two silver medals. So he got uh, in the singles moguls event and the dual moguls event. So he got uh, two silver medals. And I think that was, so we had four from world championships. Yeah. Okay. For so the, for the, for the moguls program. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, so, so 
tell me, because obviously you're doing something right, but it's still an individual sport. Sure. How is your leadership? How how does it differ? How is it the same with with, with the different athletes? Like, how do you manage? Well, them? <clears throat> well really, in fairness, uh, I haven't spent too much time working with uh, Matt Graham on the men's side. Uh, I started with Australia in October. So I think most of that credit would have to go to their head coach, Peter McNeil and Kate Blamey. They've been with Matt for a very long time. He is an Olympic silver medalist from 2018 in Pyeongchang Olympics, and he's had a stellar career. He's been a world champion. Um, and so uh, I would say more credit definitely goes to them. Uh, and in in that role with the Australian men's team, as, as I kind of uh, came in, it was more of, uh, at least in some of the leadership aspects and everything else, of kind of knowing my role and i think it's it's interesting going into a new situation and that you can feel some <clears throat> excuse me pressure and anxiety to try and like you're the new guy you have to do something you have to kind of uh, uh verbalize and um i think for me it was more of just kind of watching how everybody works and kind of uh slowly trying to earn and build the trust you know because i really think that trust is is earned with those athletes, right? You spend so much time with them and everything else. And to just kind of start barking orders and do this, this, or that, uh, before there's any trust is really, um, not, I, I don't think it's going to end out well for you as, as a coach. Uh, I think you really have to earn that and, uh, really goes through, uh, your communication. It's one of the biggest things that, uh, I tell all my athletes, obviously included is communication is key. I can't fix problems that I don't know about. Mm -hmm. And I'd much rather over communicate than under communicate. Um, so more, more in line with, uh, I, th I think that that's kind of, um, been pretty, uh, helpful so far in, in our journey together. It's, a, it's a, like, like you said, it's a unique situation. And I think that, uh, that communication really is key. Mm -hmm. All right. So I, I've had, <laughs> um, other people on the X factor and, you know, who've led and coached men and women. And in your experience, you know, what are the differences and what are the similarities? If there are any differences or if there are any similarities. I think there are definitely, at least in our sport, I think our sport is is very unique in the fact that it's um, a little bit more obscure, a little bit smaller. I think there are definitely more uh, similarities than I would say differences. Um, I think our sport is very much a fear-based sport. Um, for the listeners out there that don't know, essentially you're flying down a mogul field at 30 miles an hour, and then you end up hitting two jumps as well. So you have a jump at the top and then you ski more moguls, you hit another jump and then you have more moguls. So, uh, I think it's really critical to, to try to know the individual and be able to help them overcome that fear. Because I mean, in reality, yeah, it's really scary. Like it makes sense. You should be, there should be some fear there. You know, you really have to be a daredevil to want to go through and, and try to execute like a cork 720 or a cork 1080 going 30 miles an hour off of a, you know, patch of ice. So, uh, I think that, um, the, the, so there are a lot of the similarities, uh, as far as differences, I don't think there are, um, I don't think there are, are, are too many differences that I've, that I've noticed to be honest. So, so you're treating men and women the same. Yeah. Yeah, yep. I, and I think that's something that a lot, you know, a lot of people don't hear enough of, is that when it comes to human performance uh, and getting the best out of people, they're just people, and you're just trying to find the things within each person individually, not because of their gender, 
right. but because of what they need. Exactly. No. And, and so it's, it's treating them the same, but it's also treating them differently because it is an individual sport. And mm-hmm. I think that it's not just a, there's a few different approaches out there in the coaching world. You know, I mean, I think there are some people, uh, myself included, that would have really uh, loved to be coached by Bobby Knight and have that style of like coaching. But, you know, that's not a one that, that's it's his way or the highway. Right. And I think um, at least in in coaching aspect for all these different individuals is you have to have more arrows in your quiver and each one's going to be different. So while you are trying to treat them the same, you do have to, Uh, have a little bit of difference to the actual individual. And that goes into that communication, kind of knowing them. And, you know, one of the key things for me is um, to just be authentic and be genuine. You know, I think that's one of the things you can't really, uh, you can't fake, you can't try and be somebody else. You can't try and be like a hard ass or you can't try, you just have to, you know, be yourself. And sometimes you are hard and sometimes you're not. And I think that the athletes are really able to see that, you know, I mean, it's the same thing when you're, when you were playing football or anything else, like you can tell, uh, uh, you can see right through the coach. It only takes about five, 10 minutes to be like, I don't believe anything this guy's saying. He seems like he's totally full of it. You can't, (laughs) you can't fake authenticity. Yeah, this is true. All right. So, um, but uh, I got to ask you a question. Do you like spicy food? Do you like spicy food so much that, you know, it might even hurt? Do I like, uh, I don't mind spicy food. Yeah. I don't like, yeah. Yeah. yeah that's a, yeah. yeah that's a sign of benign masochism. <laughs> so say that, yeah. I would really love to be coached by Bobby Knight. <laughs> that's a sign. Of- <laughs> well, I think that, that would work for me though. I don't know. There's that yeah. style of like, you know, well, like it's, 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 it's the environment you grow up in, you know, there's some of that, that, that intensity and everything else. I think that, uh, doesn't work for any, everyone. And I don't know, maybe my opinion would change when he's there, like poking me in the chest in the moment and be like, Oh, this isn't this isn't yeah, I gotta yeah, I gotta tell Steve I want to change my uh yeah, my we're choking you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. So Avatar, let me go back to you because Bobby mentioned you know the fear factor. All right. Mm-hmm. And you know, to me, all right, somebody who has a fear of heights and is not wild about speed, I you know, the whole fear thing resonates with me, like 30 miles an hour and on skis, and you're going through bumps, and then you want me to you know, twist and turn and flip my body. But to you, that sounds pretty cool, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And it's funny that you say that because you're the one that helped me get through all of that. (laughs) But that's a perceptual issue, isn't it? Is that I perceive as, oh yeah, I'm going to die doing this. Right. Right. But you perceive it as like the most exciting thing that you could possibly do. Yeah. That's a big challenge. Yeah. So like, you know, one of one of the more uh, recent uh, X Factor podcasts was a uh, three star uh, uh, general retired, but he was also an F-16 pilot. And when he was graduating, you know, getting you know, getting ready to get out of high school, you know, he he just wanted adventure. He wanted to fly not just planes. He, fu- he wanted to fly jets. Mm-hmm. So it's the same kind of thing is that, you know, we, you know, that's the thing. We're we're all looking for this for this balance between stability and excitement, mm-hmm. okay? and we're all on a, a, a on the continuum. Right? But we both, you know, we all need some of that. 
of, you know, we all need or both of that to some degree. And, you know, we're, you know, General Field was, you know, fl flying, you know, I don't know how fast, Mach 5 in, a, in an F-16, <laughs> right? And you're going 30 miles an hour right, down and twisting and turning with, relative, with really no protective gear whatsoever except for a helmet, okay? Mm. <laughs> but I think, I think a lot of people deny that in themselves. They deny that pursuit of the, of the excitement, of the adventure, of the thing that really gets them going. And, you know, seeing your trajectory over the 10 years, you know, of, you know, of, of being labeled a high potential, okay, and then getting hurt and then, you know, hitting COVID where you're not really getting to express that and pursue that. And now that you really, when really the first time you had a chance and you crushed it, right? So let me transition again to the stability, right? Because obviously we know what your excitement is, right? Is that you stayed upright, okay. <laughs> all right? All right, but you know that you did it to the best of your ability. So what I like to talk about now is this relationship of coach athlete, but also husband wife. Can you help me understand the differences and the similarities of both? If there are any, is is is, is there is there a a change when you guys get into you know when you're on the hill or or not or you know when you're at home you know cooking dinner? I would say, honestly, we do a good job of separating the two, actually. So on the hill and at training, Bobby is coach. And we very much have a coach-athlete relationship. And at home, husband, we're cooking dinner. And, you know, I'll be like, hey, Bobby, my I had a really hard day with my coach today. <laughs> like, <laughs> can I talk to my husband? <laughs> and, and so, Bob, how does the, how does the husband respond by and and how does the husband you know put a wall to, you know between the husband and the coach sounds like your coach is really mean sounds like he's a dick <laughs> <laughs> no uh i mean it, that's there's uh let's say we do a pretty good job of um being able to break that up even there are times on the hill when maybe she's struggling or something like that and she'll just kind of be like can I talk, I just need to talk to my husband real quick and be like, okay, what's going on on the, you know? And, and it, so we just do a pretty good job of, of keeping it uh, lighthearted on the Hill. And um, I think uh, the great part about it is the trust that we have, you know, I think that um, she knows the amount of potential that I think she's capable of. And I think that uh, she knows that I would never ask her or put her in a situation. I didn't think uh, she could handle or be, you know, uh, be not ready for, you know? Uh, mm -hmm. so I think that there is that trust and and that give and take. And, you know, I think it also helps that, uh, spent so much time in the sport. Um, you know, I was, uh, not in, uh, really the coaching world. I essentially, uh, semi-retired from coaching before going on, on this journey. I was going down the path of, uh, sports psychology and had, had my own podcast and, uh, was kind of in a different, a different area before we, uh, decided to go on to um, this journey. So I think that um, she knows that I'm all in and that I really want to see her succeed to be uh, the best that she can be. And it's led down this path. And with the Australians, it's it's been really fun to watch them um, succeed and hit some of their goals. And 
I think uh, I think it's pretty good. The the balance is is pretty good. I think uh, you know I I usually she'll cook dinner. I'll do the dishes. <laughs> it's pretty straightforward there. Most you know it's like it's a, it's pretty pretty straightforward on on and uh, off the hill. We have a good a good rapport to be able to to make it work. And obviously there's some there's some pretty good jokes uh pretty good jokes in there from the other countries and everything else. But you know it's uh it's all it's all good fun. So is it easier to go from spouse to athlete, spouse to coach, or is it easier to go from coach to spouse, athlete to spouse? I think it's easier probably go to coach to coach to spouse. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that. <laughs> or athlete to yeah. <laughs> athlete so, to spouse. So, so so the bedrock of the relationship is is the marriage. Yeah. Yeah. And then you and 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 then you put your gear on and you go and then you go out and play and you know one's the coach and one's the athlete and once that time is over it's over yeah yeah, yeah. usually it's yeah right it's usually away, a yeah. pretty good job or you know obviously if there's video or there's other stuff we have to do after the fact whether it's goal setting or kind of figuring out so obviously there's some some time it's not a full on off off on off switch but um yeah. there's definitely uh but you can yeah. make that transition from you know from one role to the next which i think is probably the healthiest thing and and i think yeah. that's really the key to your guys success so uh bob if 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 you follow the coaching route into um you know sport and performance psychology you know that was the route i, I i've taken and i can mm -hmm. tell you that the 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 coaching is absolutely instrumental uh because you know one you know if you're you know, one being a former athlete, you understand the athlete's perspective, but then, you know, as a third party, you also have to understand the coach's perspective. Right. Okay. And mm -hmm. so, you know, it, it, you know, you, you just may have a, you know, a, a you know, a, a whiz bang career in coaching and never even give sports psychology and never thought, but you know, if, if that's still in your mindset, I think you're uh, I, I think you're really on a great trajectory to help a lot of people because of the experience that you're getting. So and well, thank you very much, Steve. And obviously you have a really good student. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This is definitely All right. true. Yeah. No, All right. Good. So let me ask you guys, how do you, how do you guys relax? How do you celebrate? For me, it's usually Guinness and some Irish music, probably much to her chagrin. But <laughs> Yeah. For me, it's probably music, music. Yeah. yeah. Do you do any dancing along with that Guinness and uh, in Irish music? Yes, that's a relaxing, uh, relaxing celebration after usually, you know, uh, we've had a few cool, cool uh, places, you know, usually about the World Cup tour, if you're relaxing or celebrating after an event, you're in a pretty beautiful place, uh, like the French Alps or Italian Alps or something like that. So, you know, there's been a few times where we'll have like five or 10 minutes before we have to get on the on the van and the shuttle to go to the airport and we'll sit yeah, outside and get yeah. a quick glass of champagne to like tote <laughs> cheers to, to a new personal best or something like that. So a uh, little, little bit of uh time in there, which is, it's just pretty right, good. That, that sounds like a, that sounds like a nice <laughs> life right there. I'm sure a lot of people would, be, would be envious. All right. So Avital, you have a, like a, a pretty strong uh, social media presence. Why don't you tell everybody, you know, where you are and how people can, uh, can find out what you're doing. Yeah, so whoever's interested and wants to check out kind of our life and follow along, my Instagram is Avi Short, A-V-I-S-H-O-R-T, and my website is BigAirsBigHeart.com.
That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Well, Team Cal, it's been a pleasure talking to you and catching up with you. You always, uh, you always bring us uh, like a just a unique sense of energy, and uh, I, can't, I can't thank you enough for uh, coming on the X Factor. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. It's been awesome. Thanks so much, Steve. Really appreciate it. It's been a lot right. of fun. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening in. I'm Dr. Stephen Long, and we will see you next time.